welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Almighty God, we trust you. You love us. You've provided your word to edify your people to lead us not just into all righteousness, but to eat us, lead us into your very presence, Lord, to experience our loving Heavenly Father. So, Lord, I pray that this morning you would please grant me a word from you to bring to your people, to encourage them and strengthen them and feed them. And Lord, help us to love you more because of it. And, Lord, I pray now that you would give us listening ears and open hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May be seated. I want to thank Chuck and the praise team for leading us this morning in worship. Chuck, appreciate you standing in for us, standing in the gap as we go through a time of transition, and uh, we'll continue to keep that process in prayer. And speaking of prayer, years ago, um, in fact, years ago, just this week, I went to visit my dear friend and my mentor, one of the two men who shaped me very early in my Christian faith. I went back to my hometown, Hamlet, North Carolina, to visit Charlie Cobb. And I went because Charlie's wife, Marvell, had sent word to me that he was in very poor health. And as a matter of fact, just shortly after this time, he did pass away. But he was in very poor health, and he wanted to see me again very soon. So when I got to their home, Lisa was with me, uh, Marvell greeted me, and then Charlie hugged me. But Charlie didn't say a single thing. He didn't speak a word. Because after the latest in a series of severe heart attacks, Charlie had suffered a massive stroke. And the part of his brain that controlled speech that, and, that enabled him to have the capacity of language, that part of his brain had actually physically died. And he could understand our conversation, but he couldn't contribute except to make some hand gestures and to occasionally nod his head at the right time in the conversation. And so I asked him if he, I asked him, I remember asking him this, Charlie, can you even think words? And he shook his head no, and tears began to, to pour down his cheeks. And so I asked him, Charlie, how do you pray? Well, then there was this beaming smile on his face. And he threw his head back like this, and he opened his arms like this, like a child wanting to be picked up. And that gesture was so packed with meaning. It was so full of love and surrender and hope and longing and joy. He sat there with his arms held up, looking as if he was just waiting for his heavenly Father to gather him up and take him into his arms. And I asked Charlie in that moment, I said, Charlie, do you feel God's love around you? And he was beaming with joy, and he vigorously nodded his head, yes. That's how Charlie prayed. He couldn't speak. He couldn't even think words. But there he was, this silent saint, after all those years, still teaching me, his, uh, his mentee, still teaching me to pray, teaching me something so pure and so true about prayer that as I watched the tears of joy and longing stream down Charlie's face, I, I just ached to be able to pray as well as he could pray. 
And the key to Charlie's silent prayer life is that he knew the God to whom he was praying. Charlie knew the character of the God to whom he was praying. He knew that God was a loving and good Heavenly Father who loves to give His Holy Spirit to His children. He knew that prayer is the distillation of the relationship that we have with God. It is that purest moment where we are aware of that family relationship we have with God. He knew that prayer is being conscious of being with God in that parent-child, in that friend-to-friend relationship. And, and that actually is that, that knowledge of the parent-child, friend-to-friend relationship, that's actually the point where so many of us have a hard time praying. We don't have Charlie's experience of prayer because we do not understand the character of God. And we rarely put, uh, we rarely put our false estimations, we, we rarely put our false conceptions of God directly into words, but we believe them deep in our hearts. Even though they are wordless, even though they are not articulated, they're still driving the way we think about God and how we pray. Now, just see if some of these or any of these describe perhaps the unarticulated attitude you have about God when you think about prayer. Uh, how about this one? God is just too distant. God is too distant. He is somewhere out there, and I am an insignificant speck on a trifling planet in the backwaters of the universe, right out on the spiral arm of the Milky Way galaxy. So he's not close enough or interested enough. He's the God of the deist. That's a deistic God. Or how about this one? God is just too busy. Uh, if I call up on God, I'm going to get one of those robot answering machines and have to go through the uh, answering tree, which just, I'm convinced that those things are just a way to get you not to bother that company. <laughs> how about this one? God is stingy. He is a miser whose hands have to be pried away from the good gifts that we seek from Him. God's just stingy. Or how about God is reluctant to answer? God is like us when we buy a car. And we're on that car lot, and the salesperson has to wheedle us into making a decision. Well, let me come talk to my supervisor. Let's see if we can work out a deal. And unfortunately, many of us think that God is abusive. We have an unconscious syllogism that runs like this. God is called Father. My father was abusive. Ergo, God is an abusive father. Or God is limited. He is on a tight budget, and he can't afford to give me what I ask for in prayer. Ben, I've had to cut back really close to the bone I mean, you know, we're not even giving Gabriel and Michael, archangels, a cost of living increase this year. It's just that tight. Or how about, how about this? And I think many of us fall into this, is that God is angry with me, not with my sin, but with me. He's just too mad at me right now to hear my prayer. 
Well, that's the passage of Luke's gospel that we heard this morning that corrects those false ideas. Jesus corrects these warped assumptions about God, and He shows His disciples how we should pray in that gospel reading that Chris read for us today. And He begins with one word that actually that radically alters, that one word radically alters the way most of us view prayer. He said, when you pray, pray this, Father... Father, Papa, Abba. When we come to God in prayer, we come in the context of a family relationship. He is not the disinterested superintendent of this vast universe. He is our attentive, caring, loving Heavenly Father. Deep down inside, I think that many of us uh, suspect that prayer is just talking to ourselves. But Jesus tells us that prayer is actually an encounter with another person, one who loves us and cherishes us. Now, I've got to tell you, as I stand here before you this morning, I cannot believe that I am old enough to have grandchildren. It just doesn't seem possible. Uh, I, I, I remember myself as that, you know, 20 something year old kid. You know, that uh, when my first child was born, it just seems like yesterday it was a snowy and bitterly cold day in January in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, when our first daughter, Rebecca, came into the world. Now, I knew that Lisa would be a great mom. I felt like if I looked up mom or mother in the dictionary, her picture would be there. I knew she'd be good at it. But what I did not anticipate was how being a father would affect me. When they put that baby girl in my arms, it changed my life. I got converted. (laughs) I mean, in a lot of ways, I did. I don't think I understood the word cherish until I held Rebecca. When she was awake, I couldn't keep away from her. And sometimes I made sure she was awake. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she was, I loved her so much that I bought, I went out and we didn't have any money, but I bought an air purifier for her nursery because planet Earth's air was not good enough for my daughter. <laughs> and for Rebecca, I was party dad. I was the party guy. Mom was great for all the needs of life. And mom loved her as a way only a mom can. But dad was there to just make sure she was having a good time. My joy was keeping her laughing and joyful. I would have done anything for her. And I literally would have given my life without a second thought for that child. That's what it means to be a father. But that's a shadow It's a paltry shadow of the cherishing love that your Heavenly Father has for you right now, this minute. Somebody loves you like that right this minute. Do you believe that? See, prayer is based on that divine parent-child relationship. It is not like driving up to the window of the check, uh, the the drive-through at the burger joint. Welcome to heaven. Can I take your order? That's actually way more understandable. 
It's usually, I need an interpretation of tongues. It's not just mechanically placing our order and then receiving what we've asked for. It's not a vending vending machine relationship. It is a parent-child relationship. And as such, God goes way beyond asking for what, uh, way beyond answering what we're asking for. It's back to that collect from this morning. He gives us more than we could ever desire or deserve. Your parents don't give you things because you deserve them. Let me tell you what babies don't deserve anything, they're just trouble. (laughs) And yet we would do anything for them. Jesus tells us that we are to pray to our Heavenly Father in a persistent manner. And we see that in verses 8 and 9 here in Luke's Gospel. In verse 8, Jesus uses the parable of the friend at at midnight to describe the way that we are to boldly continue to ask God for the things that we need. Now, I don't want you to confuse the meaning of this parable Jesus, again, is not saying that God is like someone who reluctantly gives us our requests because we have just aggravated him into submission. (laughs) Rather, Jesus is saying, if your human friend who is in bed with his children will get, and you don't wake those children up. You don't just let sleeping dogs lie. You let those sleeping children lie. Good Lord, do you know how hard it is in a one-room Palestinian home to get children to go to sleep at night? No. He's saying, if your human friend will grant your request because you ask, how much more will a loving Heavenly Father grant what you need? If your friend will do that at midnight, don't you think the God who the God of Israel who knew that neither slumbers nor sleeps will answer your prayer? Jesus reiterates the quality of persistence in verse 9, where the Greek actually reads basically, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Now, why do we have to be persistent in prayer? Why not just ask God once? I mean, does God have a bad memory? Does he forget? Do we have to cajole him into cooperating or caring for us? No, the reason that we have to return again and again to the same points of prayer is not because of God, it is because of us, because God is transforming me and you by driving us over and over again into his arms. We are not changing God by our persistence. God is changing us. Persistent prayer forms us. It requires us to repeatedly encounter God. Persistent prayer destroys our false autonomy, the lie of our self-sufficiency, and creates in us a holy dependence upon God. Brothers and sisters, we are not created for independence and autonomy at the deepest level. We are created for constant relationship. The word in verse 8 translated uh, is, and because of, really not because of his impudence, impudence, give him what he asked for. Yeah, how many times, I mean, I don't, that might be the only time in the entire Bible, in the ESV, that it, we get that word impudence. But it literally means shameless. 
because of his shamelessness. So Jesus literally says, because of this man's shameless persistence, because of this man's shameless persistence, his request is granted. So at least do this, pray shamelessly. Pray shamelessly. Don't be embarrassed to return again and again to God's presence with the same need. He loves it that we're coming to Him. You know, we learn humility in that kind of shameless, persistent, dependent prayer. We recognize that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves to remedy our deepest troubles. We are so, in the, in the grand scheme of things, there is so much that we, there is so little that we actually have control over. There's so little we can do to alter our hopeless situation. And in repeatedly, shamelessly returning to the throne room of grace, I finally get to live out this truth. I finally get to live it out. I sing it, but I live it out. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. I finally realize in that moment that I am weak and that God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. Jesus commands us, Jesus commands us, so at the very least, Jesus commands us to be persistent in prayer. And so just for that reason alone, we should be bold in returning to God with our requests. And all that means we can pray confidently. You know, the final parable in this reading, the text that we heard this morning, is a wonderful rhetorical flourish. I mentioned earlier that many of us struggle with the miser mentality when we think about God, that somehow God is reluctant to act on our behalf because it would cause the kingdom of God to suddenly find itself with a negative bank balance. Well, if you are a parent, or if you've ever known a parent, you know the delight that comes from giving good gifts to children, your children. You know the delight of meeting their needs. You want to be as generous as you can be in providing for those needs. You even like to give them stuff that they don't ask for. You like to give them things they don't ask for. You like to go to Ed McKay's on the way home from work and buy used Legos. And you know you're just going to step on those things in the middle of the night and it's going to hurt. Or in my case, growing up, yeah, we had the Legos, but oh my gosh, I'm so glad that my granddaughter has not yet seen or touched a Barbie. (laughs) So much, there's something deeply wrong about that whole thing anyway, but those tiny little Barbie pieces just are painful to step on. Maybe worse than Legos. I might have some embedded in my feet still. We give them stuff just because we want to bless them and give them joy. Well, if sinful human beings know how to bless our children when they ask from us, do we not think that the loving, limitless, almighty God of the universe will not also meet our needs. Jesus wants us to know the generosity of God. I want to know the generosity of God. Be of good cheer, little flock, 
for it is the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's going to give you the kingdom. The kingdom! King stuff! He wants to give us so much, and we are so reluctant to ask. So whatever the need is you have as an individual, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Whatever the need is we have as a church. I mean, if God cares for us like as individual children, He certainly cares for all His children. And this group of His children, don't you think God will answer our prayers? Paul, St. Paul, so eloquently demonstrates God's generosity when he asks this rhetorical question in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Paul says, what then shall we say in response to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? What are we thinking about? Why are we so negative? If God is for us, who could be against us? Paul goes on to say, He who did not spare His own Son, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously, freely, abundantly, Give us all things. If nothing else convinces you that God can and will super abundantly answer our prayers, then brothers and sisters, would you please just look at the cross? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.